So welcome to Failure to Launch, a podcast for brand managers, entrepreneurs, and innovators about how the biggest brand flops, failures, and fuck-ups have shaped their lives. My name is Sam Milne, and this is a podcast that's going to be investigating the long list of business innovations, products, and ideas that have turned out to be unqualified disasters. Uh, Were they just bad ideas obscured by fog of hype? Did the audience just not get it? Were they too expensive or just advertised poorly? My aim is to uncover how we can tell if we're building a hyped up dud or if we're creating a genuinely valuable innovation. Uh, This is going to be a personal investigation. I'm a brand strategist, consultant, and designer, and I've been involved in several different company brand and product launches over the years. I've worked with giant global brands and tiny local startups in food, dairy, mining, accounting, pharmaceuticals healthcare, certification and inspection, real estate, and beer. I've been uh, in a career where I've seen brands explode in popularity and burn out, and I've seen them fall off a cliff and claw their way back into relevance. I'm deeply interested in understanding the forces behind these rises and falls. With me today, I'm joined by our producer, Emma, in the booth, uh, and my guest today is Paris Singer. Paris, you're one of the owners of Fluid Branding. I've worked with you for years and you know uh, that you've got about as much experience in branding as anyone else that I know in the field. But for the benefit of the audience listening at home, do you want to run through your background? Thank you, Sam and Emma. Good to be here, especially on uh, podcast number one. I hope this isn't a failure and it uh, goes for many, many more years, but great to be here. I guess from my point of view, I started many, many, many years ago. I think in secondary school, I always knew I wanted to work in this industry, predominantly as a creative, to be honest, um, which is what I studied back at RMIT, visual communication, but have been in the industry for geez, 25 plus years now I think about it, which is frightening. Um, but in that time, I have seen the industry and the sector get a lot smarter with its approach and the strategy behind the creative um, in regardless of what market, what sector, what products, what brand it might be. Um, I've worked with some great agencies over that journey. Um, And yes, I guess from my point of view, um, I think diversity in what we do, who we do it for, and, and who we are targeting is probably the, the greatest uh, asset of the industry that we work in. Yeah, awesome. So in this podcast, you know, I'm going into it with this sort of sneaking suspicion that there's a lot of the world's leading companies that might not actually be set up to recognize and develop innovative ideas. Yeah. Um, the way, in a way that really brings the very best to market. I know that they create a lot of innovations, but yeah. uh, I'm really interested in exploring sort of these biggest ideas that have come out in the context of their time and through this kind of lens of product promotion, place, and price, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the four Ps of marketing yeah. to try and discover if uh, we can actually be, you know, creating a pretty unsustainable business ecosystem at the moment. Mm. But let's jump in. You, you mentioned that you've been in the industry for a while. Um 
<laughs> Do you remember the Amazon Fire Phone? I have definitely heard of it. Yes, I can't say that I am across it as a business product case study, whatever you might call it, in huge detail. But um, I'm a bit like that with a lot of Amazon, to be honest, which is kind of weird given that its reach is so phenomenally large. But um, go on. I'm interested to hear what you've got to share. I mean, the very short version is that 2016, Amazon announces that they'd lost $170 million and fired their entire hardware engineering division. Yep. <laughs> and this was all because of the um, smart, the very first smartphone that they were trying to build uh, that was going to be fully produced by Amazon. Yeah. Um, Bezos wanted to take away the premium smartphone market that Jobs had created way back in 2007. And so when they went to launch, uh, expectations were really high. Amazon's a global brand. They'd already shown a lot of proficiency in sort of taking the fight to Apple in terms of the hardware market. Mm -hmm. um, it had a great reputation for customer service and was led by one of the big figureheads of Silicon Valley. Um, however, 15 months after the initial launch, Fire Phone had totally fizzled. Yeah. Um, as, as I said, Amazon unceremoniously pulled all the phones from its digital stores uh, and retail outlets, and eventually they just chalked up the entire affair to an embarrassing debacle. Mm -hmm. So to start, we've got to go back, you know, cast your mind back to the heady year of 2007. Oh, yes, I remember it well. <laughs> Do you remember where you were in 2007? <laughs> Uh, yes, but I won't say. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, 2007 is an amazing year. It's actually the, the really one of the years the world changed. Mm. Um, in 2007, Facebook and Twitter went global. Yeah. Uh, Airbnb was founded. Uh, Google bought YouTube. IBM created its first artificial intelligence system, Watson. Uh, Kindle launched and mm. Apple launched the iPhone. So right. even without access to 3G, Apple broke new ground in terms of getting people to truly see their phones as devices for surfing the web and using data services. And a smart, easy-to-use mobile phone that completely transformed how people interacted with the internet is really launched. Uh, Three-time Pulitzer winner, New York Times op-ed columnist Thomas L. Friedman highlights 2007 as the year that really changed our world. Hmm. He says, quote, I think what happened was our physical technologies leapt ahead, but it was like we were all moving on a sidewalk, sidewalk, and people literally felt like, wow, something's changing, the ground's moving under my feet. So the year's 2007, Jeff Bezos is a titan of Silicon Valley. The story goes that Bezos sort of rises up from the dot-com era. He's driven, he's single-minded, he's obsessed with customer service to become sort of the dominant marketplace across the globe. The first Kindles released in 2007 and instantly becomes the most popular e-reader in the world. Amazon eBooks are estimated to constitute about two thirds of the market at the time. Mm. And so facing this kind of fight, Apple strikes back. Uh, they deliver a massive blow in the form of the Apple iPad mm -hmm. as Steve Jobs, another titan of sort of California, succumbs to cancer. So the iPad's a huge hit and it makes this massive outsized splash that uh, you know, it's particularly considering it's essentially a big iPod touch. And there's you know, a whole lot to this story that includes shady backroom deals, price fixing, and a US congressional investigation. Um, but that's perhaps a whole other episode for another time. 
the upshot is by 2009, Amazon's growth rate was actually in steady decline. They'd gone from 42% growth in 2009 to uh, just 20% in 2013. So the company's kind of really kind of making its way down. Uh, they were projecting between 7 and 18% for 2014. So they've, mm. they've really started to go through a slowdown. So Amazon, having been poked in the eye by Apple, they fire back and they launch their iPad competitor, the Amazon Kindle Fire. Um, the Fire, which was essentially you know, a tablet computer, mm-hmm. yep. sold 95,000 units on its launch day, uh, which is almost one-third of the original iPad sales in its first 24 hours. Mm. Um, it's a massive number compared to anything that put out by Samsung or HP. Um, its success almost single-handedly halted iPad sales in place. In fact, the iPad never beat its sales period in Q1 2014 ever again. What's more, this was just the first salvo in a massive attack that was planned by Bezos. Uh, since early 2010, Bezos had been angling to beat Apple at more than just the ebook market. He wanted their crown. He wanted to take away that premium smartphone segment that Jobs had created. So Amazon takes a really unique approach to developing product um, compared to a lot of other corporates that you know even I've worked with. And it's said that this all stems from Bezos' obsession with customer uh, centricity. Brad Stone's book, uh, The Everything Store, highlights that, quote, PowerPoint decks or slide presentations are never used in meetings. Hmm. Instead, employees are required to write six-page narratives laying out their points in prose because Bezos believes that doing so fosters critical thinking. For each new product, they craft their documents in the style of a press release. The goal is to frame a proposed initiative in the way that a customer might actually hear about it for the first time. So each meeting begins with everyone silently reading the document, and then a discussion commences afterward. Have you ever heard of that approach before? I've heard of Bezos having the empty chair in the boardroom, which is where the customer is representative by. Um, but I haven't actually heard the, uh, what did you call it, a PR release? Yeah, it's crafted in yeah, the style right. of a yeah. uh, press release. Yeah. yeah, It's interesting you said that they read it in silence. It's not actually presented. So even that's an interesting approach that you're just taking it in rather than hearing it from a, a, a second party, so to speak. Mm. But so for this brand that's purportedly obsessed with customer centricity, Mm. Bezos himself actually used a really heavy hand when it came to the development of the Fire Phone and all hardware, to be honest. A lot of Kindle's success actually got credited to Bezos' vision and his determination to innovate and enhance the customer experience. So Fast Company wrote an article uh, all about the Fire Phone. And they said uh, within that, quote, when Bezos insisted that the original 2007 Kindle include a cellular connection, people thought that the idea was an exorbitant flourish that would eat into profits. (laughs) But his prescience was part of what made Kindle a a smash hit. Hmm. When Bezos encouraged free shipping initiative, executives again pushed back, nervous about its impacts on earnings. But Bezos prevailed and later bundled free two-day shipping into Prime's immensely popular subscription service, and that now boasts tens of millions of customers. Mm. Even Amazon Web Services, AWS, was reportedly greeted with resistance by critics who believed Amazon should just focus on expanding its retail business rather than pursuing projects seemingly outside of its core competencies. 
but AWS is now a multi-billion dollar business, according to estimates. So when it came to the Fire Phone, uh, one former product lead had said, quote, yes, there was heated debate when about whether it was heading in the right direction. But at a certain point, you just think, well, this guy has been right so many times before. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, there's nothing really wrong with this. A tech Titan making off-the-cuff decisions based on their intuition of what the customer wants uh, is what really drove those early innovative years, right? So, mm. you know, yeah. I personally couldn't count the number of times that I've been in a meeting and it's been suggested that we should check in on market research to inform the final decision and people have just thrown it out. Just ignored it completely, yeah. Well, we still see it today, don't we? <laughs> yeah. um, and, and did you ever hear the Steve Jobs quote? The um, quote, people don't know what they want until you show it to them. That's yep. why I never rely on market research. Our task is to read things that aren't on the page yet. Mm. Um, that's one of those quotes that comes up so often that I actually want to attack it right here and now. Mm -hmm. yep. <laughs> uh, so I, I believe it's regularly misused. Um, it leads us to sort of a bigger factor in the Fire Phone's development story. The reality is that throughout Jobs' leadership, Apple curated detailed ethnographic studies, really well-devised surveys as a form of customer research. Yep. And Jobs was likely identifying in that quote that traditional market research had limitations when it came to developing new hardware and software that you interact with. But that doesn't mean that Apple never did research. Um, we know it's hugely important to them because in 2012, amid the Apple versus Samsung patent war, I know you remember all of those yeah. news articles at the time. Um, documents such as the iPhone owner study revealed that Apple surveys uh, had users in multiple countries explain why they bought an iPhone. And it also revealed a particular study that was a particular market attribute that Bezos really desperately wanted to earn for his brand. So Apple's brand and design actually featured as far bigger drivers of iPhone purchases than any software or features or apps. Mm. And so in pursuit of Apple's kind of coveted brand-driven consideration, Bezos really wanted to build a brand that was, quote, loved. In a memo titled Amazon.love, um, which was revealed by Brad Stone in the Everything Store, Bezos described his vision as, quote, to build brands that are widely loved by their customers and even perceived as uh, cool. Brands like Walmart and Microsoft, he noted, are unloved and suffer as a result. And so he listed the attributes that are disting distinguished brands like Nike, Disney, and Apple as being, quote, risk-taking is cool, thinking big is cool, the unexpected is cool, close following is not cool. So this idea of brand love, um, it, it was really booming at the time. Mm. And while we're not going to get too into the weeds on it because Emma suggested I should cut several pages from the podcast, <laughs> um, just know that when Bezos began this line of thinking, it really led him to be begin dictating new features for the Fire Phone based on the idea of just creating something that's cool that would make people fall in love with Amazon. So, mm. which, you know, he, he meant when he started uh, building this that um, – I believe he was kind of building his house on some really soft sand because at the end of the day, that brand love research is pretty shaky. Yeah. Um, the biggest feature that Bezos believed would make consumers fall in love with Amazon was this thing called dynamic perspective. Um, the idea was that dynamic perspective would create a sort of 3D parallax effect 
It would use five front-facing cameras yeah, yeah, uh, to yeah. track people's faces. Do you yes. remember this? Yeah, I do. I do, yeah. Yeah, that's a feature that, yeah, okay, whatever, move on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, he didn't see it that way. Yeah, and again, when did you say? 2014. Uh, this early, the development of this started 2007. So, oh, Sorry, seven, did it? Right, wow, wow, okay. Um, That's almost like the leader for what is today considered face recognition, right? Yeah. I mean, when did Avatar come out? That was 2009. Okay. So like, you know, really on the cusp of that um, 3D kind of boom that we saw. Mm. Um, Unfortunately, I've got a really good quote from Fast Company's article again, and it says, quote, team members simply could not imagine a truly useful application for dynamic perspective. (laughs) Okay, there you go. Wow. As far as anyone could tell, Bezos was in search of the Firephone's version of Siri, mm. a, se- a sort of signature feature that would make the desire- device a blockbuster. Yeah. But what was the point they wondered beyond some fun gaming interactions and flashy 3D lock screens? Mm. I'll continue the quote here. In meetings, all Jeff talked about was 3D, 3D, 3D. He had this childlike excitement about the feature and no one could understand why. We poured surreal amounts of money into it, and yet all we thought, uh, we all thought, sorry, that it had no value for the customer, mm. which was the biggest irony. Whenever anyone asked why were we doing this, the answer was, quote, because Jeff wants it. Yeah, right. Wow. That's a great insight that's different to everything else he'd done prior. Yeah, I, I think it is one of those things that is such a, a sticking point in the development of this phone. Like this, they said they threw huge amounts of money into it. And we're talking about Amazon. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, one of the richest companies in the world at this point. Um, the phone adopted a, a sleek black mirror design. That's the sort of thing that we all recognize today as a generic smartphone design. It ran proprietary a proprietary version of Google's Android, uh, which they called Amazon Fire OS. And that came without access to the Google suite of apps or the Play Store. So it was kind of walled off from that. Um, it also came with this app called Firefly, which would act as Amazon's take on Siri, which had launched in 2011. Uh, Firefly was able to scan paintings, books, covers, barcodes, um, and, and more really to tell you everything that you wanted to know about everything around you. It was the Google Lens app, um, long before that was even a service. And, you know, it was pretty cool in practice. I've seen a few videos of people working with it and it was actually pretty interesting. But you you might have realized it's 2011 now. that It's been in the work for a very long time. According to reviews, it felt really good in the hand, had a really responsive display and easy to navigate UI. But unfortunately, perhaps due to the sort of protracted development time, initial reviews were fairly mixed uh, upon launch with the Guardian claiming that the it felt like a phone from 2010, not 2014. Ouch. Quote, the phone's hardware is solid, if unspectacular, but the software lets this phone down. It runs Amazon's own version of Android called Fire OS. It's the same software as the Kindle Fire tablets, but unlike Google's Android, doesn't have access to the Google suite of apps or Google Play. Instead, the Fire phone is restricted to Amazon's App Store which has around 240,000 apps compared to Google Play Store's 1.3 million. Uh, Amazon claims that the right apps are all available through its store. 
So we've got this phone, it's been developed and we've got the product, it's ready to launch. Before it goes out to everyone in the real world, uh, Amazon has to promote the product. So on the 18th of July, 2014, Amazon dropped its launch ad. So this is their big take on the category. It's their big first move. I am going to play you a video here. So I'm going to click on this and we're going to have a listen in. And just cast your mind back to when the uh, Apple phone first launched. Do you remember them calling it magic? Do you remember all that kind of uh, campaign that was all around how incredible this new piece of hardware was? Even I think when Google first launched their Google phone, not necessarily Android, but the Google phone, again, there was this real emphasis on how high-end and premium this product was. I think just by way of comparison, we're just going to view Amazon's very first ad to ever go out about the Amazon Fire Phone. I look forward to seeing it. So what you got on deck? Skyfall, lean in, then some Pinterest. You? Twitter, Minecraft, and then some Hunger Games. Boom. Oh, you guys are all set, huh? Oh, yeah. New Amazon Fire Phone. It comes with Amazon Prime. Tons of cool stuff for no extra charge. Really? It comes with Amazon Prime? Yeah. There's so much to watch. I've been on this earth nine years. I've never seen anything like it. The new Amazon Fire Phone, with a full year of Prime included, exclusively on AT&T. It's good to see them looking so cool in the cafe. Yeah, so for the benefit of the listeners, the ad uses two kids who are dressed as hipsters. Um, no, no other word description for it. And they're sort of touting the content that people will be able to access when the phone comes out. Uh, you would have heard them mention uh, Amazon Prime, the fact they're going to get films like Skyfall and Hunger Games. One of the kids explains that it comes with a year's subscription of Amazon Prime. Um, which usually costs $99 and offers a wide array of movies and all that sort of stuff. Who do you think that ad was targeted at? I'm hoping it was the parents. Uh, yeah, you, you've nailed it. So this this ad, the ad team decided that the technology featured was really best packaged up as the, quote, ultimate mum phone. Yeah. So it seems like after much searching, someone finally found a potential use for Jeff's cool new dynamic perspective technology (laughs) Uh, from Fast Company. Quote, with dynamic perspective, a mum with a baby in tow could scroll a web page or article simply by tilting the device. She could also browse through a photo gallery or a product listing page by tilting the phone left or right. In addition, the phone's three-panel layout, which features navigation on the left, the app's core functionality in the center and additional content on the right um, meant that it can all be accessed via a flick of the wrist by tilting the, or by tilting the phone left or right. Fire will put sort of the corresponding panels all in front of you. So it's clear that sort of families are a key target for Amazon as a company. Uh, we have a little more to go through, um, but why don't we break that off uh, into part two? Um, so... Do you want to give us a very quick plug, Paris? You know, it's been fun joining with you today. But if you can tell the audience at home what you've been working on, where they can find out more about you and the stuff that you're doing. Oh, my God. You're the one that's come out with all the information and done all the research. But so thank you. Um, Look, fluid.au obviously is an easy place to start. um, Our website is constantly updated with all our content and our work and our thinking. Um, 
Otherwise, do the old school thing and pick up the phone. We'd love to hear from you. But uh, we're working across lots of categories, both FMCG, corporate government, et cetera, and also with lots of small, medium enterprise, um, hopefully building brands that build better businesses is what we're all about. So um, love to hear from you. But thanks for the chat, Sam. Amazing amount of work you've put into that. Appreciate it. No worries. Look, I'll see you next week. Um, <laughs> If you want to know anything more about what we spoke about today, check out the show notes for any of the sources. Uh, Join us next time on Failure to Launch. And uh, in the meantime, um, people can, as Paris said, go to fluid.au, find out more about what we're doing there. Thank you. The opinions and views expressed on Failure to Launch belong to the individual speaking and do not represent the official views of Fluid Branding.